Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration for leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning. Welcome to our show today. I'm Kate Ebner, and each week we meet inspiring people who can help us learn how to be visionary leaders, leading not only at work, but also leading in our lives. My guest today is Ross Martin, Executive Vice President of Scratch, a creative SWAT team driving innovation across Viacom Media Networks. And I love that description. We're going to learn a lot more about what that means. As Executive Vice President and Founder of Scratch, Ross Martin leads a new kind of creative team within the walls of Viacom Media Media Networks. This is a cultural force that's transforming how brands connect with audiences and consumers in powerful new ways. Ross is a master of collaboration who draws his inspiration from the visionaries around him. He's known for his ability to encourage creativity, passion, and genius in his teams. Today, we're going to tackle one of the biggest questions that leaders face, how to inspire great performance and innovation, out-of-the-box thinking from your team. I'll also be inviting Ross to share what he knows about how to reach the audience in the modern technology-enhanced world, and we'll find out his own vision for his own extraordinary life. Welcome to the show, Ross. Thanks for having me, Kate. Well, I'm delighted to have you here today and um, am inspired just even reading your bio as I prepare for the show. Uh, I'd love to start off with having you tell us a little bit about what you do. You described your job to me as the weirdest, coolest job out there. Well, what is your yeah, job? it's a bizarre job. It didn't exist before. And I, you know, I think that's actually the beauty of, of MTV where Scratch began. Um, you know, my, my job is really to help drive innovation. Um, across MTV and our other channels in the Viacom portfolio, um, channels like MTV and VH1 and Comedy Central and Spike and Nickelodeon, TV Land. Um, there are hundreds of them uh, in this country and around the world, and these are all brands that connect in really meaningful, deep ways with lots of different audiences. Um, so, you know, what's why is my job weird. Um, it's weird because there's no playbook for it, and it didn't exist, like I said, before, um, before we began doing this. And what we're really doing is, at Scratch, using the power of what's now called Viacom Media Networks in new ways, um, beyond um, advertising, beyond um, integrated marketing, um, and beyond even the programming that's on our networks. We are partnering with brands and we are um, channeling the power of our connection to our audience, 
the creative people who work at our company and our um, our obsession with research to um, connect brands with audiences. Wow! And when you do this well, what is that? What's how do you know? How do you know what the impact of this is? That's a great question. So you know, for for marketers. One of the key metrics is always, and you'll hear chief marketing officers talk about it all the time, intent to purchase. So let's say we're endeavoring to connect a, um, a product with one of our audiences. Um, you'll look at the research and you'll see that it either did or did not move the needle for intent to purchase. And I think we've, we've gone beyond that, actually, to um, you know the reality that um, we're judged by um, if our if our content is good um, or if it not if or if it's not good. What that means is um, people will watch our shows and um, pass them on. Um, and if if what we put on television, for example, is not so good, it means it's not connecting with audiences and it's going to end right there. Um, we all report to our audience at MTV Networks and Viacom, and the partners that we choose to work with. Um, really report to the consumer walking down the aisle. So intent to purchase is a nice metric that you'll hear marketers talk about. But um, for us, in, in what I think is the real world, either someone buys a product that we're marketing or they don't. They watch our show or they turn it off. Um, and that's really the metric for success. So that product that you're marketing is really the show itself. And uh, buying often. it means watching it. Correct. Okay. And, and I would actually and, take it a step further, Kate, and say in, in, in this world, um, you know, buying a show, buying into a show or connecting with a piece of content um, goes far beyond the passive experience of just receiving, um, but it, it, it actually extends much further. When we do our job right, our audiences um, take what we've um, served up on one of our platforms and pass it on, broadcast it themselves and spread the word and often change it, mix it up and then spit it back out through social media. Can you tell us, give us an example of that exact thing happening, Ross? Sure. You know, we recently launched a, um, a soda nationally. It's called Sundrop. We partnered with Dr. Pepper Snapple Group. And this was a soda that was 50 years old. It was only sold in the South in three states, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee. And it's called Sundrop. And the mission was take this soda um, and spread it nationally. So as Dr. Pepper Snapple Group marketed the soda, um, I'm sorry, distributed the soda across the nation in every state, it was our job to spread awareness and convince people to try it for the first time, uh, people who had never even heard of Sundrop. And what we did was we launched a campaign, of course, on television, on many of our networks and beyond. And probably just as important, if not more importantly, we put a lot of content up on, um, on the web. And what we saw immediately in day one was, um, you might call it miraculous, you might pretend we knew what we were doing, um, it, was, it was maybe both. But uh, what we saw was our audience take the campaign and run with it. We saw whatever we were creating um, reinterpreted, spoofed, parodied, um, and you know what some people call user-generated content began to bloom all over the web. And we began to see every few seconds um, someone talking about the Sundrop campaign on Twitter, on Facebook, and now 8,000 people have gone online and created their own version of our commercial and uploaded it to YouTube and shared it with their friends. Some of those user-generated videos have four or 500,000 views themselves. 
So you can see this is a campaign that connected with the zeitgeist. It meant something to people. It resonated. And then they took it and ran with it. And that's typical of millennials when you talk about what they have the capability to do in social media. And it's not just social media. So it extends to the aisle where many of the, um, the – you, you, it's, it's actually a little bit hard to find Sundrop right now because it's selling out of stores around the country. Wow, that's a phenomenal example. So it, it sounds to me like it's sort of um, making the opportunity available to people to be introduced to something, and then ideally they pick it up, share it, pass it around, test it, spoof off of it, um, and create a buzz about it. And that's, that's right. when you know you've had success. That's right. Wow. Um, I'm curious, how does one qualify for a job like yours? Tell us a little bit about your career path. <laughs> um, I, I have a bizarre career path. It was such an odd choice for the job when I got it seven and a half years ago. I came to Viacom as the first head of programming um, for MTVU, the college network, which was just launching. And I came from a, um, a background which includes um, a major in poetry and creative writing at Brandeis University. I went on to get an MFA in creative writing and poetry at Washington University. I published a book in 2000. And my first job in film and television was working for Spike Lee's 40 Acres and a Mule Filmworks in Brooklyn. Um, after 40 Acres and a Mule, um, I became an editor uh, at Nerve.com. And I was also NERV's film and television vice president. So I started a film and TV division of this online magazine called NERV while I was the poetry editor there. As if this isn't getting bizarre enough. I was also <laughs> teaching poetry at the Rhode Island School of Design um, at the News School as well in Manhattan. Um, and so, uh, you know, years of all of this. And then I launched my own, um, my own film production company moved with my wife and my son to Los Angeles, and it was called Plant Film. Plant Film existed for about a year and a half in L.A. when I got a call from a recruiter looking for a head of programming for MTVU. And ironically enough, I was literally pulling out of the MTV office's parking lot when I got that call, and it was trying to do a deal with MTV when I got a call to um, interview for the job as the head of programming for MTVU. Wow. That is, does seem very fateful. Mm-hmm. And when was that? How long ago was that? Um, you know, in, I've been at MTV for about seven years. So yeah. count back, wow. 2004. So you are disproving the idea that those, who, uh, those of us, myself included, who major in English um, can't find work or fascinating opportunities with their English major, and particularly that poetry focus is fascinating. Um, so you're very, it sounds like you're a very creative person, Ross, um, on and off the job. Um, what does this particular position allow you to do? How do you bring your own creativity together to create the kinds of impacts you were describing before? Well, you know, it's a wonderful position. I, am, I have the, thankfully, I have the support of our leadership at Viacom and at MTV. And, you know, none of this would be possible if they didn't believe in me and, and, and the vision and my team. Um, and so, you know, what I love about what I do is that we, we reach, you know, millions of people. MTV itself is in over 90 million homes in the U.S. So there's, of course, the scale issue. What we do um, has a chance to reach gazillions of people and somehow affect culture. Um, and to do that, 
we are obsessive when it comes to research. So we mine insights from our audiences every day, trying to keep up with them because the young people that we reach are moving at light speed. So we cannot get out ahead of them. We're just trying to keep up. And um, when you when you when you have that kind of respect for your audience or your consumer, um, it sort of sets you free to partner with them in ways that maybe you didn't imagine. For example, when we What's most exciting to me, I think, is not when I have an original idea of my own, but when we throw a challenge out to our audience, let's say, create a video game on the crisis in Darfur, um, which is so absurd when you think about it. And we didn't know, I mean, would that work? And we then challenged college kids across the country to come up with a video game that would communicate, um, you know, the, the, the genocide, the tragedy in Darfur. And they did. Not one, not two, dozens of submissions and brilliant ideas for how to actually bring that crisis to life through a video game online. And when you see the, the, not just the volume, but the quality of the thinking and the creativity and their ability to bring it to life in a video game, that's inspiring. Um, so it really, for me, the most exciting part is when we can get behind our audience and when we can partner with our audience and empower them to speak through our platforms. That's the really exciting creative part of the job. That is really exciting to hear you talk about that. I'm amazed by the um, reciprocity, really, between what you're doing and what you're receiving from your audience. It's a, it sounds like you're creating it together. We are, and I, I think that may be unique to some of our brands and platforms. I mean, MTV is a network that um, most, if not all of us, have grown up with in one way or another. We've been affected by what happens on MTV. And so, you know, young people have always believed that MTV is their channel. It's certainly not my channel, right? I don't own that channel, and I'm merely a custodian of the platform. And my colleagues and I know that we're at our best, like I said, when we can get out of the way and get behind our audience and allow MTV to become an autobiography of a new generation. An autobiography of a new generation. That is a definition of MTV I had not thought of. I'm delighted to hear that idea. Every generation Uh, creates MTV for themselves. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. That's that's fantastic. I have teenagers these days myself, so I, I see them stepping into the MTV, uh, the new MTV generation, and and it's they very much behave in the way you're describing <laughs> around. Thank your your kids they, for um, Jersey Shore. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Ross Martin. This is Kate Ebner, visionary leader, extraordinary life. talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network think of the world 50 years ago now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccinello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate Ebner. My guest today is Ross Martin, Executive Vice President of MTV Scratch at Viacom Media Networks. We're talking about how audiences are connecting in whole new ways with brands and influencing the shape and direction of those brands. Um, and, and I want to just explore that a little bit more with you, Ross, and, and have you tell us, um, you know, it's, it was unfathomable to think that we would be uh, influencing the future of a product like Sundrop, as you were describing before, um, 10 years ago. I don't know that that would have been possible. And I wonder, as we kind of take stock of where we are today, from your position as someone who is really transforming how brands connect with audiences and consumers, um, what does the future hold for us? Can you give us a sense of where we've been and where we're going with this? Sure. You know, for the way I see it, you know, um, we obsessively study millennials. Um, you know, millennials are in their teens and 20s, and they are writing the future for us, whether we like it or not. And they're doing it industry by industry. They have a hive mentality. And if you don't believe the power of millennials, just ask Blockbuster Video, Tower Records, or Hosni Mubarak. This is a generation that is not fighting the power. They are the power, and they know what's it. A, what's the hive mentality? The hive mentality is if you look at what's happening, let's say, to um, home DVD sales, or if you look at what's happening to the healthcare industry or the automotive industry, changes are um, happening, um, yeah, at the molecular level, but more importantly, tectonic shifts. And we're seeing industries literally be transformed almost overnight by a generation of consumers who expect different things than the generations before them. Let's just take automotive, for example. The definition of owning a car is not what it once was. You don't buy a car today to escape from your parents. More than ever, if you're a millennial, you actually enjoy spending time with your parents. And if you want to escape and connect with your friends, you don't need to go get in your car to do it. You can just go on Skype or go on any of your social media networks and connect with your friends instantly. And they're doing that from the minute they wake up till the minute they go to bed. And while they're sleeping, their phones are on and their computers are on and they're waking up, going to the bathroom and texting. So what does all of that kind of behavior mean for um, trends in new car ownership? It means it's harder to sell a car to someone who doesn't need it in the same way that you did when you were their age. Um, and we're seeing the, the hive mentality. We're seeing millennials 
as large groups with um, common goals, common beliefs, um, change the way that um, the rules are, um, well, just fundamentally change the rules for all industries. Um, and they're doing it to, um, you know, big companies, like look at what's about to happen in healthcare. So um, the expectations are just different. The forces acting upon young people are different, and that's changing the way that consumer interactions happen. And so you say you're studying the millennials all the time um, because they are thinking differently, acting differently, using resources differently. Um, so it, it, so in some ways, it's um, it, the, the whole pattern of learning is reversed as well from what it you're is, saying. It is. I mean, you know, Sheryl Sandberg at, at Facebook talks about the difference between the information web and the social web, right? The information web is where you go to get information. And um, whether that's about healthcare or buying a new car or um, where you should shop for whatever outfit you're looking for, the social web is taking it to the next level. And that is, I'm walking through the store and I'm not sure if I should buy this shirt or that. So I take a picture of both of them, serve them back up to my social network and ask my friends, like, which one? And in 30, 45 seconds, I may have 10, 20, 30 responses. And I'll know that um, this shirt doesn't look as good on me as I thought it did. And so I'm using the social, I'm using my social network, I'm using the social web to make decisions in my real life. And there are companies who are understanding that and learning how to monetize it. And those who don't or don't try are being left in the dust. Yeah. And can you just tell us again, can you just describe a little bit what you do as a collaborator with other companies, you know, working on behalf of Viacom? I know that you actually have done a tremendous amount of collaborative work across other, other companies as well. Can you just describe how you're working? Yeah, I mean, so, so the, the fundamental assumption that we start with with all of our partners and all of our peers is that there's, there's, not, even, there's not just a respect, let's say, for millennials, for this generation, but there's awe, right? So we never stop studying and we never stop watching and listening to the way this generation is changing the world. And the way that we work collaboratively is that we study this generation together and we distill whatever insights we possibly can. And from that science... We collaborate on creativity and take the um, take a message to this audience and try to um, well try to make it resonate. So, how do I work? Um, you know, I'm, I'm my team and I are engaged in a 24/7 dialogue conversation loop with a generation of young people across the country and across the globe, and the brands that we partner with become part of that conversation. And you're sharing what you've learned, and you're addressing their goals as well as Viacom's. It sounds like yeah, very much. So you know, the the, the uh, we don't even like to call our partners clients. We call them partners for a reason because we have shared goals, and um, and we're in it together. And um, if you look at our work with Dr. Pepper Snapple Group, you know, I I actually really do care about the Sundrop brand quite a bit, and I think you can see that reflected in the in the work that we're doing and the passion we have for it as a creative team. Um, at scratch. Yeah, you know, I, I work with many leaders who 
want to be collaborative and certainly we're all hearing that a key success factor for you know success in the present day and also in the future is the ability to be collaborative and yet it can be hard you know mm-hmm. collaborating requires kind of a different mindset i think than the old top down um you know uh, you know set layout what needs to be done and then we all go about um doing our part you know the collaboration has a different feel to it a different zen about it if you will and i'm curious if you could describe ross what a collaborative partnership uh looks and feels like an example of like a meeting or something yeah i think you know i think that there are there are times when as leaders we need to stand up and lead from the front um and do it fearlessly um and with great confidence and vision and and then there's the rest of the time which is um really about um getting behind your group, um, empowering your group. Um, and, and I don't even think of my group as a group. I think of them as incredibly talented individuals who are really good at lots of things. And so, you know, it process becomes difficult sometimes when you have the kind of brilliance I'm lucky to have on my team. But I'll tell you that, you know, I think that the media landscape, and this is reflected in the profiles of my team, has changed considerably. We don't look to hire, um, let's use sports as a metaphor, uh, someone who's good at running and someone who's good at fielding and someone who's good at hitting. We hire athletes who understand um, and respect and have awe for um, this generation, for millennials, and who can um, come to work and um, drop ego and learn to um, work together in ways that... um, will help us reach and connect with millennials 24-7. It's a really hard thing to do. Um, but the, the people who work at Scratch, and I would say my colleagues across Viacom, are um, incredibly talented, but never just at one or two things. So that makes it interesting. Um, it makes it interesting, when you, especially when you consider that none of our partnerships are the same. All of our projects seem to be different from one another. And we're, we're in a group that's sort of like a rocket ship without, um, w- w- without precedent. So um, it, it calls for um, a lot of um, leadership in the bunker. In the bunker, you're, at, you're in battle. And um, if, you can, if you can look to your left and you can look to your right and trust your team and believe in them, um, then the sky's the limit. And that's, that's luckily for me how I feel about my team. I love talking to my team. I love getting to know them as people. Um, and, um, and also, I would say, learning what excites each of them. So, I mean, we have, a, for example, our head of social media and social strategy, um, Christine Huang, is starting a, um, a zine, uh, like, a, like a print zine that her friends and um, colleagues are contributing to, and it's all about the seasons. And it's, it's brilliant. Um, and she, you know, she's doing an amazing job. She's throwing a party next week to launch it. And it's the kind of work that we don't, um, I, I love it. I just, I want her to do more of it. In fact, I'd love it if she used more of her work time. I hope she's listening to do it because I can see how much it excites her. And we want people who are excited on our team and who are following their passions, both at work and outside of work and being supported by the team um, that they work with at Scratch. So the, what you're describing as your own approach to leadership is quite radically different, frankly, than a lot of the way that um, 
corporate leaders might be thinking about leadership and the kind of leader they need to be. It's really quite quite a, uh, extraordinary to hear you describe that. Can you just say more about almost like the beliefs that you have that operate to guide you as a leader? What are, what are you really thinking, uh, Ross, as you are bringing this team together? What's your philosophy here? I, you know, I, I believe in the fundamental talent and vision of everybody on my team, or they wouldn't be there. Um, so I don't look at things like, when did you get to work and when did you leave? How much vacation have you taken? Um, or how hard are you working? I don't look at that at all. In fact, what we look at is, um, how excited are you to be here? How excited are you to support the people that you work with? And how are you working with your team across disciplines, even across companies, to make that vision that we share come to life? Because what we do is really hard, and there's no formula for it. And so for me, you know, I mean, it starts with um, passion and commitment and collaboration. Um, because without that stuff, you're nothing. You're not a team. Um, everybody who works for me is intensely curious. They are young people who never want to stop learning. And um, they're absorbing so much because of where we work. We come into contact with some of the most exciting people in the world and some of the newest and craziest and most exciting ideas in the world. And when you have that and technology, then it's not, um, it's not, it, the question really becomes, how are we going to get everything in our, in our vision done? Like, how are we actually going to divide our time, work together, stay healthy, and be able to achieve our vision and bring um, stuff to life? And that, that, to me is, that, that, to me, is, you know, the kind of place that, that I want to be. So if you boil it all down, really, besides the obvious, you have to have the right character to work for me, um, besides that, you have to get up in the morning and want to run to work. Because if you don't, there's no reason to work here. We're talking to Ross Martin, who is giving us his philosophy about leadership and management of a very creative team. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to find out more about what inspires Ross. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Tune in to Tom Says for practical solutions that you can use in your life. Whether it's information you can use for business, spiritual awareness, health, or personal issues, you'll want to listen to this life-changing program hosted by Tom Gerbic. Tom will also invite you to participate by calling in or sending emails. There's no topic that's taboo. With Tom's life experiences, you'll find that a weekly visit can be truly inspiring. Tom Says can be heard on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern with a weekly rebroadcast on the Voice America Business Channel. Did you know that the number one concern of American business is the ability to attract and retain qualified workers? Yet millions of qualified American workers with disabilities are sitting on the sidelines. Disabilities at Work Radio focuses on businesses and their workforce needs and also offers other topics of interest to people with disabilities, their families, and supporters. Join Disabilities at Work Radio every Wednesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Hi, this is Kate Ebner, and I'm here with Ross Martin. And Ross, as you know, our show is about inspiring people to be visionary. This is something that you do every day with your team and MTV Scratch. And I'm wondering if, if you have any advice for the rest of us about how we can bring out the inner visionary, if you will, in our team members. Well, the, the first is to surround yourself with people who are um, more brilliant than you. Um, I, I'm really lucky because I, I have been able to do that um, for my whole career. So um, it's humbling um, and it's inspiring. Um, so there's that. Um, I also, I, I suppose, encourage um, people to uh, reach out of their comfort zone um, whenever they're stuck. So there are moments like anyone where I find that I can't, get out of a loop uh, or I'm stuck in a, uh, the same idea over and over again and just in different clothes or the same kind of language using over and over again. And in moments like those, I, I always make myself uncomfortable and I seek to change context, um, whether that means going outside for a walk or just putting myself in a situation I've never been in before um, or just changing my routines always um, tends to help me with that. Um, so... The other thing is, and I learned this from my father-in-law, who's a, an economist, it's really hard when we're all so busy to hear yourself think. And it's hard to even justify sometimes for yourself giving yourself the time and space that you need to process what's going on and try to get some perspective and balance. And so what I have sort of forced myself to do for years, thanks to my father-in-law telling me I had to do it, is give myself an hour on the schedule every day, an hour on my calendar, and it's called Ross time. I don't even schedule it. My assistant does it, and it's at different times of the day. So I never kind of know when it's coming, and then I see it, and I go, oh, wow, amazing. There's no one knocking on my door. There's no one lined up out front, and there's nobody calling me. My assistant's going to block everybody for an hour. And, and it's scary at first because it's a little quiet, and you know how much you have to do, and the list is piling up. But just put the list aside for a second and stare out the window or go take a walk or stare at your cubicle, whatever you have to do, and just give yourself a moment and try to hear what's going on in your own head or your own heart because that's when moments of brilliance start to happen. And that's when you start to connect things that you didn't even think were connected before. Um, and then the other is sort of what I was alluding to before and talking about um, Christine Wong's zine. I feel that all of us have passions and they're not always related directly to our job. Um, so I try to create a place for my team where whatever you're passionate about, you better go for it. Don't not go for it. You have your boss and your manager, your team ready to support you, and they can expect the same support from you. And so when you can create that kind of a, that kind of a context, and no matter what field you're in, if you're in accounting, if you're in facilities management, if you work for a phone company, um, is there any way that you could find space in your day to support people's passions outside of work? Because that goes a long way. So those are some of the tips, things that I think about. 
I think that, that that's a, an extremely helpful list, and I, I fully support and agree with the, um, uh, all of your points. And the, the I want to say them back in my own way because they're um, true, I think, for those of us who work as coaches. You know, one of the, the things you mentioned first is when you're stuck – uh, my way of saying it would be break your coherency, i.e. go for a walk, get out of your space, do something different so that you, you can begin to shift um, the way you're looking at something or the energy you're bringing to something. And you know, the, the thing I want to point out for our listeners is you have to first recognize that you're stuck. So I want to encourage people to um, notice where you're stuck and then make a change as we were just uh, describing here. And then as you go on and talk about um, supporting the passions of others and really making space for that in the workplace, you know, even if it's just not, not directly related or doesn't seem to be, I think what you're also suggesting, Ross, is that sometimes these seemingly unrelated things actually are connected or can really bring, bring great benefits um, to the whole team. And then your idea, the Ross time, an hour a day, there's a certain discipline to giving yourself that kind of time, especially when, you know, the... Uh, wolves are howling at the door, you know, so that's an inspiring example and um, I think a very, very sound advice that's for an all example. of us. It's an example, Kate, from poetry, actually. I had a professor in college named Olga Brumis, who's a famous Greek poet, and she uh, said to me once, um, you know, how much, did you, how much did you write this week? And I said, you know, I, I didn't really have that much time. I had all this other chemistry stuff to do and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and she, she pulled me aside and she said, listen, Ross, you must write for a half an hour every day. And I looked at her like, I don't know if I could do that. And she goes, except if you're really busy, then you have to write for an hour. Wow. And I'm like, oh, okay. And you know what? She was right. Because you know how much more you give up when you don't do that? Um, you know, I've just tried to do it ever since. I, I want to make another point about what happens when you encourage the creative passion of someone on your team and how much you can get out of it. We have a young woman named Millie Peartree who's an assistant in the sales department um, at MTV and Comedy Central. And, you know, Millie has been baking cupcakes um, for four years with her siblings, and she's turned it into a business. And our chairman told me about Millie and said, hey, you should meet Millie. She's actually doing really interesting stuff. When she goes home from her day job, she goes up to her house and she bakes cupcakes and then starts to sell them, let's say, in our cafeteria or in the, um, the, the, a cafeteria uh, at Lincoln Center, I think. And I said, wow, really? It sounds like she's actually starting this independent business by herself. Well, so we reached out, we talked to her, we connected with her. And Millie Peartree Cupcakes and More has become a client, a partner of Scratch. And so we are working on her business plan. We're working on getting her a loan. We're working on how to actually transform her marketing. And, and we're doing that um, because she's a colleague of ours. But think about how much my team is getting out of that. First of all, it has so much meaning because she's our peer, she's our colleague, and we believe in her as a person. And second of all, the practical, um, the practical experience of being able to work on something like this with, an, with a, a, a young woman who started her own business and could really use the help but has, has, has an amazing upside, has a great product, and, and just needs people who know what they're doing and when it comes to a business plan or a marketing campaign to step in and help. 
um, we're learning amazing things about a business we didn't know anything about before, about how to sell cupcakes to lots and lots of people. And so that's, that's been an, an incredibly powerful experience. And from it, we've decided to do more stuff together. You know, some teams play softball. I mean, some, some, some departments play softball. Some work teams play um, kickball. What we've decided to do is to make a music video together. And so what we'll be doing, our creative director, Brian DeCubellis, and I are going to present to the team at Scratch three different bands, and we're going to vote. And we're going to pick a band. We're going to make a music video for them over the weekend. I'll do craft services. We'll have some other senior exec run cables. And we're going to make a music video together. And we're all going to learn how to do it for those of us who don't have a, a production background or um, you know, a post-production experience. So those kinds of things are pretty exciting. Those kinds of things are pretty exciting. It sounds like a whole lot of fun, actually. And I'm wondering, you know, do you ever get stuck? What about when you have no inspiration? What, what, what do you do then? Or is just that not ever happened? I, you know, I, I wish I, I feel lucky. I don't, I don't, I don't get stuck for me, you know, because I, what I said earlier, I surround myself with people who are just really inspiring and I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, um, I guess like, you know, not be shy, um, and work at a place where people, you know, take my calls sometimes more because of where I work than who I am. Uh, and, you know, I remember um, calling up Dean Kamen, the American inventor and entrepreneur scientist, because I was curious about him. And he took the call and came to see me, and I got to meet with him. And so when you get to do that kind of stuff, um, it's hard to get stuck. <laughs> it's more about um, time management and how can I find a way to get um, – everything done that I want to get done and prioritize and use the power of my team, but laser focused so that we can, um, you know, be rigorous and, um, and decisive and, um, and successful as a team, as opposed to trying to do, um, too much. Um, so that's, that's kind of for me, I just, I, but I know others who do get stuck and, um, and you know, there are lots of tricks. Uh, maybe you might be better than me at, at, at knowing the tricks. <laughs> well, you know, it's a, it's a, there's a, an assessment called the Highlands Ability Battery that sometimes we use working with our clients. It really helps people see what their gifts are, what their abilities are. And this isn't your personality. This isn't how you behave, like the DISC assessment. This is actually the Highlands Ability Battery. Mm-hmm. And you do these online tests. It tests everything from your ability to distinguish musical tones to your vocabulary to your, your spatial relations skills. It's a really interesting assessment. But one of the categories, Ross, is called Idea Generation. And for those of us who have high idea generation, and I think you are one, um, we just, rockets are always, you know, fire, fireworks are always going off. There's so many ideas. And again, that challenge of focus is more of what um, the high idea generation folks have to think about. But I, I'm, um, it's exciting to hear you talk about that. And I, I also like the story you just told us about reaching out to the inventor because I have found in my own life that uh, we, we often think we can't access people we'd really love to be talking to mm-hmm. and we can so i'm glad you told us a story about just just connecting reaching out um finding a way to be in the conversation you wanted to be in um let's talk for a minute about success and failure um many people have told me that they're leery of expressing a vision because it would be embarrassing if it didn't come to fruition mm-hmm. does every vision you work with actually come true or can no. you tell us about a failure uh, we fail all the time. You know, we fail daily. I fail daily. Um, 
in one way or another. And really, when it's time for bed at the end of the day, to look back on what didn't work um, and try to learn from it. That's that's sort of how I approach my day. Um, I, you know, there there are creative projects that I've been trying to get off the ground for ten years um, on television, on the web. Um, I have stalled at my second book, um, two thirds of the way done. Um, and I can't seem to finish it. Um, and then there are the um, the failures in the moment where you you get really embarrassed because something doesn't go the way you planned. I remember uh, one of the shows I created when I was at MTVU was called the Woody Awards, which was a um, instead of going gold or platinum, you go wood, which signifies that an artist has really connected with college students across the country. And I remember we had a band that was number one at the time, Death Cab for Cutie, and they were closing our show. And so we had this big show, thousands of people, Roseland Ballroom, every single one of my bosses there in the balcony. And I'm in the truck with all the edits and all the, all the, all the screens in front of me, and we're, we're, we're watching everything go down. And it's the big finale of the show, and Death Cab for Cutie takes the stage, and another band introduces them and says, and now Death Cab for Cutie. And the lights go on, Death Cab for Cutie, and it's just silence. And I'm looking at it like, oh, my God, why are they not playing? And we can't figure out why they're not playing. You know why they didn't play? They couldn't play for 10 minutes because the keyboard wasn't charged. Ah. And you have thousands of people standing there. And all my bosses basically looking at me, and I could feel it in the truck. Everyone's like, where's Ross? Why didn't someone <laughs> charge that? You know, and you know, moments like that, when they happen, um, what do you do? So we, you know, it, was, it was horrible. I didn't want to leave the truck. When the after party happened, I didn't go. Uh, but the question so that- is, when you fail that badly, whether it's your fault or not, how do you get back up? And well, we're going to you know, take a break, Ross. When we come back, you're going to help us learn how you get back up after great. failure. Thank you. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network.
listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Thank you for joining us. You know, you can download this show onto your iPod and listen anytime. And if you'd like to be eligible for our free book giveaway, email a question or sign up for our e-news at thenebocompany.com. We're talking to Ross Martin, who is telling us that um, as energized and exciting as his work and his team really are, there are moments of failure. So, Ross, you gave us a great story right before the break, and I'd love to just finish up on the topic of um, what you, how you learn from failure. What do you learn from failure? You know, I, you, it, every time it's different. You learn to be prepared for everything to go wrong. And in our line of work, um, stuff goes wrong all the time. It's really about how you respond to it and um, how your team can support you when something doesn't go the way you planned. I, you know, I gave an example of a keyboard not being charged. And so for 10 minutes, thousands of people staring at a stage and it feels like they're all looking at you and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you know, you hide for a little bit, you go into a hole. And then when you emerge, it's because you're being pulled out by your wife or your parents or your best friend or your kids um, and they're believing in you and propping you, propping you up. And it's moments like that that I, you know, I thank God for my wife and my parents and my, my two sons and, um, and my family and my friends because those are the people who know who you really are and believe in you no matter what happens. And so it's easier to get back up when you have people like that in your corner. Absolutely. You know, it's, it takes courage to do big things. And that's the courage to take the risk of failure, among other things. And I think what you're describing is, um, you know, the support, that how valuable, how important it is to be supported as you're trying to do those brave, creative you know, bold things, whatever it, whatever it is in your life that you're trying to do. And I think you're also describing something I would call resilience, you know, just the ability to get back up and live to try another day. Mm. You know, I think we, I think we all encounter that. Um, you know, as we, as we kind of wind up on the end of our hour here, um, I wanted to know who inspires you, Ross? You know, I, I alluded to my family earlier, and, you know, it's true. I, I happen to have a family that's really inspiring. You know, my mother taught me to write and how to, ex- to express myself and how important that is. My father taught me how to be a compassionate leader um, and take chances. Uh, my wife is someone who sees beauty in the world all around her and creates it and also can see into people in ways that I including me, um, couldn't have imagined. My wife is also someone who inspires me to um, think bigger, um, to give myself permission to um, just um, set my goals even higher. Um, And then uh, my team. You know, I I work with a group of people at Viacom who, um, you know, Viacom let me put Scratch together from scratch. You know, we handpicked everybody that works for me in the group, and it's a collection of just some of the most inspiring people who um, are better at what they do than I ever could be. And when I get to be around them, um, which is not enough, I think if I had it my way, I would never let anybody go home and I would just hang out with them all the time. 
I, I, it's, it's really hard um, to not be inspired when you, um, when you have a group of people like that in your office every day. And I think the way, the way I think about my team is that I work for them as much as they work for me. So that's a, that's a really inspiring place to, to spend your day. Um, and then last but not least, I would say my sister too and my sons. My sister and my sons. Yeah. So... My sister just does Those so much are, good I mean, in the world. So that, that's, that's for me where it's at. You know, it's, it's um, lovely to hear you describe that because you're reminding me that we don't always have to look very far to find inspiration. You know, it's, we don't have to look, look up at, you know, Abraham Lincoln to be no. inspired. We can look around us and, and be inspired. Definitely. You know, people around us. I wonder, you know, the, uh, uh, we're talking about sort of um, be inspired, which we hope is happening for our listeners, and then also become inspiring. Like if you really wanted to become more inspiring, imagine that you're giving advice to somebody who said, Ross, how could I be more inspiring to other people? You know, what do you think? You know, I think for me it's about truth. Um, it's about finding your true voice and your true vision and finding ways to meaningfully express that. Um, the people who speak the truth, you know, whether they're um, business leaders or artists, musicians, um, who speak their truth, you can hear it. That resonates. And um, it's, it's, um, it's a little bit more, e- it's easier than you think to be inspiring when you can hear yourself, um, you can hear your, your, your heart and find ways to express yourself. I find that people who are able to do that um, inspire without even trying to. I, 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 I think you're absolutely right, you know, and there's something about, you know, I often use the language in my work as a coach about um, David White, the poet's language, actually coming home to yourself. Mm. You know, it's almost like as adults, we, we need to learn how to just be ourselves and to be the truest, most authentic, most real version of ourselves as often as we possibly can, ideally every minute of the day. And that's where, again, it sometimes takes courage to find your voice and just be you. You're so but right. that it is inspiring. Definitely. Yeah. You know, you've referred to your team quite often um, today, and, and I hope that they're listening and, and <laughs> realizing how much you are really appreciating them. Um, I wonder if there's anything about your team that you'd like to say. Um, you know, any, anything you'd like to say, anyone you'd like to acknowledge, or you know, just any more thoughts about um, what, it, what, it, what this team's capable of? You know, I, I feel that we're, Amy Friedman, who you interviewed last week, um, has helped me to understand um, bodies of work. I think of Scratch as a body of work, not just for me, but whoever's with us in it and um, connected to it, whether they work at Scratch or they're just working with us. And I, I, I feel that it's a little bit more than a job. I, I don't like the idea of going to work and doing a job, I feel almost like, as cheesy as it may sound, like we're, we're on a mission, we're part of a cause, we believe in what we're doing, and that's why we're doing it. Not for the money, um, not for the title, uh, not for the credit, but we just believe in the mission. And we talk about that a lot, um, one-on-one and in groups. And I, I feel that that's sort of what separates us. Um, 
from other groups in our industry and in other industries. It's just there's something special going on, and I think that the people who work at Scratch feel like they're part of it, and um, and that drives you to be your best self and to give everything you've got for the time that you're with us, uh, your time you're you're on my team working on Scratch. Like it's an opportunity um, to do the unimaginable, like what nobody's ever done before. And we really feel that and mean it. And I think people know that and they see it. And so, um, you know, that's really the kind of, that's I guess what I hope is in the heads and the hearts of the people that, that work for me at Scratch every day when they come in. What's the second book about? You know, the second book is called Award-Winning Care for Non-Healing Wounds. And it just sounds so depressing, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I find that something there's something um, really wonderful about being able to work on the cellular level, the molecular level with language, um, even on poems that maybe nobody will ever read, which is so different than reaching millions and gazillions of people on television and on the web and stuff around the world. And there's just an, an intimacy and a, a singularity that, um, uh, I don't know, it sort of recharges me to be, to be in the world of, of the word and write what people call poems. It's just, you know, that's for me where I can come home and, and hear myself um, think. Ross, it has just been such a pleasure to talk with you this morning. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show. This is Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, and we've been talking with Ross Martin, Executive Vice President of MTV Scratch at Viacom Media Networks. Have a great week, everyone. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.